This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, podcast about how to bring your personal life and your organization to the next level. Today, I'm sitting down with Pastor Levi Lesko. Wow, he's a best-selling author. Books include Through the Eyes of a Lion and Swipe Right. He's also the lead pastor of Fresh Life Church, multi-site church located in Montana, Utah, Oregon, Wyoming, uh, a church that he and his wife, uh, Jenny, planted in 2007. Levi travels around the world speaking about Jesus, sharing his story of faith. In fact, his latest book, I Declare War, is now available. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's my pleasure to welcome you, Levi, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, let's start uh, with a little bit about your background. Tell me uh, about your life, what it was like growing up. What led you to that moment when you felt led to to move into ministry and, and yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in Colorado and New Mexico some as well. So always kind of Rocky Mountains, Southwest. Uh, grew up in the church. I made a faith decision uh, for myself just before my freshman year of high school. Uh, before that, uh, I had always, I've never not been in church. So I grew up always knowing about God, but that was the moment that came where I really uh, came to know Jesus for myself. And uh, I've never really, other than ministry, ever felt anything uh, passionately as far as career-wise, calling-wise, sure. from a very, even young age, I would say even before I even knew Jesus personally, I felt the call to ministry. And uh, so that's always been there, to serve in the local church. After I got saved, I just really began serving more and more, doing anything. I mean, I've, I've done every job you can do in the church. I was a janitor, I was an intern, assistant youth pastor. Uh, for a summer, I was I was doing uh, hospital visits and uh, babies' dedications and uh, a lot of funerals. And then uh, really my wife and I both began to feel a, a call to plant a church. And so we did back in uh, 2007. Yeah, you started Fresh Life Church. Uh, what was it like to just start out like that and to just plant it from, from ground zero? At? Yeah, right. Well, that's kind of what we wanted, you know, and there's that old uh, adage, uh, you know, the, the dog that catches the the car won't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. And we were a little bit like that. You know, we dreamed of uh, planting a church and I think probably somewhat uh, romanticized the idea. It's like the person who's like, I want to be married. Then you get married, like, oh, it's oh, yeah, different it's than I thought. Right. Having kids, the same thing. It's like, uh, we always said, you know, it'd be amazing to plant a church and we, we'd use those kind of uh, aggressive terms like go out into the unknown and risk, you know, everything. And, and then we did it. It was like, you got what you asked for, you know, right. and uh, at Toyota, right? Uh, so <laughs> we, which none of the young listeners are going to get that reference, right? <laughs> Uh, forget Paris, Billy, Billy Crystal. Uh, but we we did. We we had a job at a church in California. I was a teaching pastor there, lived a mile from the beach, uh, surfed every day, season passes to Disneyland, and it was a staff position at a church, meaning I could, you know, requisition a check and not have to worry about where it came from. And yeah. I could, you know, uh, go in and preach a sermon and not have to worry about the staff. I was just the teaching pastor. And so um, it, was, it was a really nice, you know, position and a great opportunity, but we wanted to kind of see our dream come to pass and what God had put in us come to life. And so when we took that uh, step of faith to start the church, it was beautiful and brutal. My friend, Pastor Ed Young, likes to call ministry brutal. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really apt uh, description because what I've experienced is that oftentimes the best of times and the worst of times kind of happen together. at the sure. same of times. Yeah. And uh, you'll have the best ever, but then mingled with it, there's sorrow and the reality of life. And, and yeah, so we've watched God literally bring uh, something out of nothing 
But then also there's been just challenges along the way. Sure. You and your wife are wonderful parents, and, and you often talk about the importance of putting family first. Uh, very important. It's a strong value. When you first started, how did you balance family and work, especially yeah. in the midst of you know, planting a church. Yeah, I've never really loved the word balance because I feel like that indicates, you know, something that's in equilibrium. What we've sure, sort sure. of tried to do and imperfectly done is sort of just raise our kids and and have our marriage be in, in the center of all that God's doing. Meaning, I believe that wherever God puts a call on a life, he gives a grace to fulfill it. So when we lean into that, we know like our kids— and our marriage is all blessed and called to live out of what we're doing. So I don't look at it as like, well, I have to do a little bit for the church and then a little bit for the family. It's like we're, we're uh, in the middle of all that we're doing, doing it as a family, serving God, building the house as a family, taking our day off as a family. And so uh, the good, the fortunate thing is kids don't come out of the womb at 18. They come True, out as right. you know tiny little babies. <laughs> and so, you know, we would have date nights and the baby would be under the table in the little car seat. And, you know, literally when we would be building out the church facility for, you know, a service or whatever, the, we'd bring the pack and play, set it up in, a, in an empty classroom. And so it was real easy. And I've never really viewed either or as being at odds with each other, but they all kind of flowed together. And yeah. it's it's a joy for our kids to watch God move in power and and, and be in the midst of it. Yeah. Since planning uh, the first campus, uh, Fresh Life has expanded to 12 campuses. I guess uh, uh, 17, if you include Watch Party. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, true. Well, 13 with our prison church. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. And what's the biggest challenge and, and the biggest reward of, of doing multi-site church? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think reward is when you're getting letters from people who have been touched by God in a city you couldn't physically get to, you know, that sure. you're able to see that extension, that reach. And, you know, the letters of people whose marriages were touched or you know, kids got off drugs or whatever, that that's the reward. The challenge is, of course, as any franchise uh, restaurant would tell you, is brand consistency across multiple right. spectrums, multiple people. Uh, people are obviously the greatest power, greatest resource, but also the greatest source of difficulty. And just getting a, a lot of different people to act the same way, just like any Chick-fil-A, uh, you know, high up would be very disappointed if he didn't hear my pleasure yeah. at the Minneapolis airport location, right. you know? So keeping what is at the center of the culture consistent across all the different expressions of it is always going to be challenging, right? Exactly. And how, how do you do, how do you, I guess you might say breed culture yeah. to, to really, how do you do that? I think it starts as a leader when you recognize that you can't uh, take anybody anywhere that you're not going yourself. So if I tell my people, like, hey, we're bringing people to church, I have to look in my life and go, where am I doing that? Has that fallen short? So you live it out because leaders never say, you know, here's what you need to do. It, leaders always say, follow me. And so I think you live it, number one. And then I think, secondly, the moment you think you've said enough about culture, you have not even yet begun to fight. And so it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. They right. begin at one end and go to the other, and then they go start over again because the other side's rusty now. And so yeah. I think with, with, with vision, with culture, Andy Stanley said it best, vision leaks. And mm -hmm. so you have to constantly be pouring back into that bucket for it to stay even halfway full. Yeah, that's good. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to, to pastors that are looking to plant a multi, what's that one piece? Yeah, great. Uh, well, 
And Charles Spurgeon said, if you can do anything else, do it. Mm. <laughs> you know, be a banker, be a lawyer, be a doctor, because the hard days are going to be su as such to where you need to have the confidence of a calling. Jer Jeremiah said, I tried to quit it and the fire was in me so bad I couldn't stop. And you want to know that. You don't want to do it because you think it's cool or whatever. You want to know that God's Holy Spirit has given you a fire and that will be enough to sustain you in the difficult times when you feel like quitting. Yeah. That's good. You're an amazing leader and you work with an incredible team of leaders at Fresh Life. How do you describe your leadership style? Uh, I think I'm by nature more organic and intuitive. And so what I have to do is I have to try very hard to be more systematic and have uh, have systems in place and surround myself with people who are better at those sorts of things uh, to be able to replicate what can be for me a very easy gut decision where I see and exactly can spot exactly what needs to be done and raising up and trusting people to make systems out of those sorts of decisions. Yeah, that's good. You often work, uh, obviously, with uh, with a lot of young people and, and students, and you even have a Southeastern University Extension site. Shameless Fresh plug Life. right there. Absolutely. <laughs> there Fresh Life Leadership College. Come out and live in Montana and hang with us. Yeah. There you go. What's what, what's And you're about to speak. You're here at SU Conference. You're about to go on stage. You got over 2,000 out there that, that so are going to cool. be listening. And what's, what's a piece of advice, leadership, as it relates to calling that, you know, the call of God's, how do you start out and begin to run with that? Yeah, great. I love that question. Well, I think it, piggybacking off what I just said about, you know, like don't just get into pastoral preaching ministry because you, you think that's the only way to serve God. I would also say uh, view anything you do for God as something that's valid and needed. If it is banking, if it is a law degree, if it is uh, graphic design or some other industry, you know, the next Airbnb or Uber, I think God wants and needs people in every specter to occupy till he comes and to do so with passion and enthusiasm and a fire inside their belly for that thing. So if it is a bakery or if it is, you know, an app or whatever, uh, you will bump into people and serve uh, Jesus in a, in a great way with passion, no matter where you are. And we need to bring the name of Jesus into the business place, yeah. into Wall Street, into every you know square inch of this world. So if it's not preaching, still testify and generate wealth for the kingdom, for, yeah. for all the things that God's called you know people to do. Uh, in one of your recent Instagram posts, you talk about the problems that come when we get stuck yeah, right. in our ways. And of course, the negative effects of that unwillingness to change and what, how that affects our lives. What's one way we can evaluate our, our patterns in life and, and, and experience you know, growth, but growth that's healthy? Yeah, good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think getting stuck in your ways gets, gets a bad rap sometimes because, you know, people say, oh, he phoned that in. I, but look, Jesus was a creature of habit. And right. the Bible says that he went to the synagogue on Sabbath, as was his custom since early days. So I, li I like to encourage people to, to develop patterns and routines that are healthy to where you can automate, you know, basically your obedience. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to tithing, when it comes to you're spending time with Jesus daily, church attendance, serving, those sorts of things, you should put those in stone to where they're ingrained in you, where you never go, should I pray? Should I tithe? Right. Should I go yeah. to church? Put those things in stone, make them just 
absolute the bedrock. Then from there, you can evaluate what else do I want to do that's going to make me be at my best. For me, I know it's a walk. If I don't get out without my phone and take a walk, I start to really feel anxiety building up. Mm. When I'm stressed out, I like to take my dog and, and walk this path. And that's really a chance for me to do what Jesus did, going to a lonely mountain. It's just to reconnect with God and myself and to allow there to be a channel for, for healthy things. So I think what you have to ask is, what does it take for me to show up at my best and how can I put that into a regular rhythm in my life? You and, and Jenny are very open about the loss of uh, your little girl, uh, Linya. How, how did you rely on God in the midst of that tragedy? And how did it change your outlook on life? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, as a parent, it's the most devastating thing you could face. You know, I think um, we weren't expecting it. We didn't have the chance to prepare for it. You know, she, it was five days before Christmas. Uh, and we were preparing for holidays and then a vacation. And so to be planning a funeral like that mm -hmm. with just, you know, split second uh, time to even get sucker punched, uh, it was, it was de devastating. And yet um, everything we ever preached, we believe we, we felt uh, the power of in our darkest moment. Right. You know, I would just say that, you know, what we, what we heralded in the sunshine, we believed in the shadows mm -hmm. and the anchor held. You know, Hebrew says we have an anchor for the soul and you don't need an anchor until there's a storm. Mm -hmm. And in that storm, we felt the power of the anchor. And it, although we were hurt and confused and angry and sad, very, very sad, we felt God with us. And so it, it, it made sense to, to continue to do exactly what we had done before so and to do it more so. Yeah, that's good. One final question. We'll close close it out. Uh, your latest book is called "I Declare War." Tell us a little bit about what it means to be at war with yourself. Why you felt inspired to write that? Well, that's great. Um, well, the honest truth is, I mean, we are at war. I mean, Warren Wearsby once said that the Christian life is not a playground; it's a battleground. Right. So we are at war with the three enemies: the devil and the uh, world around us to some degree, the worldview that's hostile to the gospel. But then third and maybe most sinister is ourselves, our own mm, fleshly yeah. nature. And that is where Paul said, I want to do what I don't do and what I don't do, I want to do and all that. And I like how the passion translation puts it. He says, I am a mystery to myself. Mm. And I feel like that yeah. as a leader, as a dad, as a husband, as a, just a child of God. So oftentimes I'm like, what, what are you, why are you betraying me? You know, self-sabotaging me. And whether it's moodiness or, you know, uh, being distracted when I should be focusing and, and, and any of these things, uh, maybe being, you know, absorbed in my phone when I should be just focused my, my, my seven year old, you know? Uh, and, and so, uh, at a certain point, I think you have to choose to declare war on the version of yourself that you don't want to be. So you can walk in victory because for freedom, we've been set free. So that's what that book's all about. All right. Hey, final, uh, three questions. It's our fire round. Always ask I every like guest on, on the podcast. You have a, a day when your calendar's cleared and you've been mandated by your church to have a perfect day off. What does a perfect day off look like for you? Uh, if it's my cheat day eating wise, it's waffles <laughs> and maybe even Taco Bell. I try and keep clean six days of the week. And then on the seventh day, just really let loose. Uh, wouldn't set an alarm. So sleep in, uh, which probably means getting up around seven or so. And then just a day with the family, phones off. Maybe if it's winter, we're snowboarding some. If it's, um, if it's summer, we're 
you know, riding bikes and, and, and just completely having the best time in the golden sunshine. And for sure, uh, I get in the sauna at some point. I love that heat, the dry cedar sauna, and then, uh, pasta and a, a glass of wine with my wife watching the sunset, just enjoying life. And you live in a beautiful place to, to enjoy life. That's for, for sure, sure. For sure. Hey, what historical leader living or dead would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? Wow. Uh, Historical figure, living or dead, I would probably say Teddy Roosevelt would be a real interesting companion for a cup of coffee. Talk about the Spanish-American War right, or yeah. the time that, you know, someone stole his his horse and boat and he chased him down. Just incredible guy. Yeah. One final question. What's your next big dream you want to accomplish? The next big dream, well, my wife, Jenny, is releasing a book on Mother's Day uh, week, Cinco de Mayo. So I'm really excited to support her and watch that dream come into the world. She's worked all year on it. So it's really a big day for our family. Actually, today that we're recording this podcast is the official worldwide announcement of the book. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, just like in 10 minutes or oh, five minutes ago. Five minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, Levi, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. I, I tell you, you're a powerful voice, but you're a powerful discerning voice. Mm. That's what I love about you, the, the way you discern. Uh, is is so unique and powerful and, and grateful for you and grateful you're here and and a part of us. Well, we're so thankful for SEU and your your guys' willingness to collaborate with us and we're thrilled by it. So thank you. For more on Pastor Levi Lesko, visit levilesko.com. Hey, thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership today. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.